Warren Buffett is perhaps the most idolized, revered and imitated investor in the world. At the time of releasing this, his company, Berkshire Hathaway, has a market cap of over $400 billion and Buffett himself has a net worth of over $80 billion, making him currently the third richest person in the world. His approach to value investing, combined with his influence over the companies he invests in and utilization of their advantages, has seen him generate an impressive average annualized gain of 20.8% per year since 1965. This is just over double the 9.7% annualized returns that the S&P 500 delivered over the same period of time. He's dubbed the Oracle of Omaha, a man whose name is synonymous with wealth and investing. A true modern icon of success. This is his story. Warren Buffett was born on the 30th of August 1930 in Omaha, Nebraska. His father Howard was a stockbroker with his own brokerage firm and his mother Layla was a housewife. Buffett had two sisters, one older than him and one younger. As a child, Warren would spend time at his father's brokerage firm, writing numbers on the chalkboard and reading many books that were there. He was close to his father and describes him as affectionate and inspirational. He credits a lot of his success to him and says that he was the one who introduced him to investing and a love of books. He also says that his father has given him some of the best advice that he has ever had. Buffett went to Rose Hill Elementary School in Omaha. As a young boy, he was always a lover of numbers and he also had a particular interest in collecting items such as stamps and bottle caps. Even from a very early age, he had a fondness and appreciation for business. This was particularly heightened after reading a book called 1000 Ways to Make $1000. Apparently as a child, Buffett told a friend that if he wasn't a millionaire by 30, he would jump off the tallest building in Omaha. Some of Buffett's first ventures were to sell chewing gum and bottles of cola door to door. His grandfather owned a grocery store, so Buffett would buy a six pack of cola for 25 cents and then sell them individually for a nickel each, making himself a profit. He had many other ventures, such as finding and selling used golf balls and selling popcorn at football games at the University of Omaha. When Buffett was 11 years old, his father took him on a trip to New York. The main things Buffett wanted to see there were the New York Stock Exchange, the Scott Stamp and Coin Company, and the Lionel Train Company. When he saw the NYSE for the first time, he saw a young boy rolling cigars for the traders to keep them happy. It was at this point that he realized that stocks is where the money was at. At just 11 years old, Buffett had made his first real investment, using the money that he had earned so far, around $120, to buy his first stocks. He decided to buy shares for himself and his sister in an oil and gas company called City Service. They each bought three shares priced at $38.25 per share and after investing in these, the price quickly dropped to around $27 per share. 
and anxious and scared Buffett held on tight and waited until the price increased again to around $40, at which point they sold for a small profit. After taking the profit, the price continued to increase a lot more, up to $202, and Buffett realized that if he had just waited a little bit longer, he could have made a lot more money. He says he learned a lot from this early investment, like the need to be patient and not to rush into a decision without reason just to make a small profit. In 1942, Buffett's father was elected to serve his first term out of four as a US congressman. This resulted in the family moving to Washington DC. Buffett attended Alice Deal Junior High and then went on to Woodrow High School. It was while in high school that he started Stable Boy Selections with his friend, which was a horse racing tip sheet. They would use mathematical odds to work out the tips and then type them out on a typewriter. Unfortunately, this was later shut down since they did not have a license. Buffett also worked in his grandfather's grocery store at weekends, as well as starting a paper round. He was delivering newspapers for the Washington Post, but since he was so business-minded, he eventually expanded his paper round route and even started delivering papers for the Washington Post competitor, the Times Herald, along the same exact route. He started to sell magazines as well and would keep track of customer subscriptions and any cancelled ones. He earned a lot from this job as a paperboy and it all added to the good amount of savings that he was constantly building up. Another of Buffett's early ventures was in pinball machines. At 14 years old, he and a friend bought used pinball machines to put in barbershops for customers to pay to use. The company was called the Wilson Coin Company and they would split profits between themselves and the barber who owned the shop. At the young age of just 15 years old, using the money he had earned from his paper round and other ventures, Buffett bought his first property. He used around $1,200 to purchase a 40-acre farm in Nebraska. Buffett then hired a tenant farmer who worked the land for him and they shared the profits. Buffett graduated from high school in 1947 at the age of 17. The caption under his yearbook picture read, Likes math, a future stockbroker. After graduation, Buffett was not particularly interested in further studies. Considering the amount of money he was already earning, he thought it would just slow him down. But his father persuaded him to enroll at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. Buffett studied business for two years, but he wasn't happy and felt that he knew more than his professors, so he moved to the University of Nebraska where he graduated at 19, earning his degree in business administration. It's believed that Buffett was so frugal at an early age that he chose to live in the YMCA while he was at university. This way he could spend as little as possible and save his money instead. And all the while that Buffett was continuing with his studies, he was also continuing with his business ventures. Except instead of just being a paperboy, he was now a circulation manager for the Lincoln Post and would oversee 50 other paperboys. Buffett would spend hours and hours reading books. This is something that he continued to do for his whole life. He was said to have read 600 to 1,000 pages a day in his early career and still devoted 80% of his time to reading in his late career. 
His family even claimed that he was always there physically with them, but mentally he would be absent since he would be reading or mulling over his thoughts. This is something Buffett believes is a huge contributor to his eventual success, the fact that he reads so much. After graduation, Buffett had wanted to go to Harvard Business School, as he thought this would be more mentally stimulating and give him a chance to learn more, but sadly, he got rejected. Instead, he decided to go to Columbia Business School to study for his masters. Buffett chose Columbia after reading the book The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham, which Buffett says is the best book about investing ever written. When he heard that Graham taught at Columbia, he had to go there. Graham became a massive influence on Buffett, who he says was one of the most influential people to him after his father. Buffett learned about the fundamentals of investing while in Graham's classes and was the only student to ever get an A in his class. Buffett says his own investing style is 85% Benjamin Graham and 15% Phil Fisher, as he was able to find assets that were valued at a lower cost than they would be worth by thinking as a business owner and then manage the investments efficiently over the long term. After graduating, Buffett was very keen to go straight to working on Wall Street, but both his father and Benjamin Graham pleaded with him not to. Buffett even offered to work for Graham for free, but Graham refused. So Buffett returned to Omaha to start working at his father's brokerage firm. As a very introverted, shy and nervous person, Buffett decided to take a Dale Carnegie public speaking course. He credits this as being one of his most important investments and claims that he wouldn't be where he is today if he didn't take that class. It was around this time that Buffett met his first wife, Susie. They were married in 1952 and lived in a small rundown apartment. They then had their first child, a daughter named Susie, and to save money, they turned a drawer into a bed for her. Buffett began teaching night classes in investing at the University of Omaha, where most of his students were twice his age. He had also made an investment in a Texaco station, but this was not successful. Finally, in 1954, Buffett was contacted by Benjamin Graham who offered him a job at his partnership. He moved back to New York to work there and spent most of his time at the partnership searching for opportunities and analyzing reports. He became more interested in how companies worked and thought about the company's management as part of his investment decision process. Graham, on the other hand, was more interested in the balance sheets of the companies. Even in these early years of his career, already there were aspects of finance that he was becoming obsessed with. The most important one being that of compound interest. It's thanks to this that he was able to build huge levels of wealth over the years. In 1956, Buffett decided to leave the partnership and move back to Omaha. It was here that he started his own partnership called Buffett Associates Limited. Seven family members and friends invested $105,000 in total with Buffett, with him only investing $100 himself. By the end of the year, he was managing around $300,000. 
Buffett had two more children and with a growing family, he decided to buy a house for $31,500. This was nicknamed Buffett's Folly. He used one of the bedrooms to manage the partnership before they eventually got an office. In 1960, Buffett spoke to one of the partners who was a doctor and asked him if he could get another 10 doctors to invest $10,000 each. He succeeded in doing this and got 11 doctors to invest. By 1962, the partnership was worth $7.2 million and Buffett decided to merge all the partnerships together into one, forming Buffett Partnership Limited. The minimum investment amount was $100,000. It was also in this same year that Warren Buffett met Charlie Munger and they hit it off straight away, starting the famous friendship that was to last for years to come. Buffett Partnership Limited continued to be very successful. In 1966, assets were rising over $44 million. Buffett decided to stop any new investments and then in 1968, while worrying about rising stock prices, the partnership made a huge profit, hitting over $104 million. Shortly after that, in 1969, Buffett decided to dissolve the partnership, as he said he was unable to find any bargains in the current market. He liquidated all the assets, apart from Berkshire Hathaway and diversified retailing. He distributed all the partner shares in Hathaway, but held on to his own ones, which stood at 29%. Buffett started buying stocks in Berkshire Hathaway in 1962, when it was mainly run as a textiles company and was owned by Seabury Stanton. In 1964, Stanton offered to buy the shares back off Buffett at $11.5 per share. Buffett agreed, thinking the business was not going to improve. However, when Buffett received the offer in writing a few weeks later, the offer said $11.38. This sneaky attempt at gaining an extra eighth made Buffett angry. He decided not to sell and instead continued to buy more shares in the company. He eventually took over Berkshire in an act of retribution and fired Stanton. He announced Ken Chase as the new president of the company instead. Buffett tried to stick with the textiles part of the business at first, but soon realized that there was not so much profit in it and started to phase it out. He started investing in insurance companies instead, and in 1967, he bought the National Indemnity Company and National Fire and Marine Insurance Company. In 1970, Buffett named himself as chairman of the board at Berkshire Hathaway and wrote his first letter to shareholders. These letters from Buffett to shareholders would later become very famous and something studied by many investors around the world. In 1971, he made the biggest investment that he had done so far. Through Berkshire Hathaway, he bought a company called Seize Candy for $25 million in cash although the owners originally wanted $30 million. This was a long way from the textiles business that Berkshire Hathaway originally operated in, but this type of investment would soon become a trademark move for the company, investing in businesses that they believed to have a moat. 
in basic terms, a moat is a company's ability to maintain a competitive advantage over the rest of the industry and maintain its market share. As Buffett says, the single most important decision in evaluating a business is pricing power. If you've got the power to raise prices without losing business to a competitor, you've got a very good business. Berkshire Hathaway's value rose over the years, and between 1965 and 1975, it went from $20 per share to $95 per share. In 1976, Buffett began buying shares in Geico. He had previously had dealings with the company when he was being taught by Benjamin Graham. At the time, Buffett read a book called Who's Who and realized that Graham was the chairman of the company. So, Buffett traveled to where the company was based, in Washington DC, and knocked on the doors until eventually a janitor let him in. Buffett went up to speak to the one man that was working at the time, Laura Davidson, who was actually the vice president. They spoke for hours about the company and how the business was being run. This conversation had obviously stayed with him over the years, and so when there was the opportunity to buy some shares in 1976, he did so, as the company had been reporting big losses. Buffett knew the basics of the company were still there, it was just being badly managed. Eventually, the company became fully owned by Berkshire in 1996. This acquisition and involvement of the insurance business in Berkshire Hathaway has also become a trademark part of Buffett's success. When insurance companies collect people's premiums, they don't get paid immediately out in other insurance claims. This cash instead stays with the company and is known as its float. Berkshire Hathaway, thanks to its insurance businesses, has a float that was $39 million in 1970 and has risen to over $100 billion. This is used by Berkshire to invest, essentially giving it a huge interest-free loan. As Buffett says, we enjoy the use of free money and better yet, get paid for holding it. In the late 70s, Berkshire's stock prices went up to over $290 per share and Buffett himself was worth around $140 million. Although this was what he was worth, everything was tied up in Berkshire, and therefore the only money he had to spend was his salary of $50,000. So he decided to start investing his personal money in stocks as well. He made himself $3 million through his investments, and apparently around this time a friend spoke to him about investing in property. But Buffett refused. He said, why should I buy real estate when the stock market is so easy? Some of the investments that Buffett made throughout the 80s really typify his approach. In 1983, Buffett had set his sights on Nebraska Furniture Mart, so he decided to walk in and speak to the owner and offer to buy it. The owner agreed at a price of $60 million, to which Buffett agreed and shook her hand, with a contract and cheque being sent along just days later. In 1984, Berkshire bought into Scott and Fetzer. The company had been going through a hostile takeover and were panicking. Buffett sent a message offering a merger and the company called back straight away. Berkshire offered $60 per share and Scott and Fetzer agreed. 
1988, Berkshire began to buy shares in Coca-Cola. The owner, who was an old neighbour of Buffett, noticed the shares being bought and began to panic and started investigating. Upon investigation, he recognised that it must be Buffett and gave him a call to find out what was going on. But Buffett wouldn't say anything until he was required to, once they hit the 5% threshold. Berkshire managed to own a share of 7%, which was worth over $1 billion. Buffett became a billionaire in 1990. The 90s brought an interesting new challenge for Buffett and his portfolio, but also presented us with an ideal example of how Buffett can stick to his plan and ultimately be proven right over the long term, despite any possible temptations. In the late 90s, the lure of the new dot-com companies was just too much for most investors and it soon became a bubble. Buffett, on the other hand, chose to steer clear. In his letter to shareholders, he claims that technology investors had overstayed the party. He said value is destroyed, not created, by any business that loses money over its lifetime. When we look back on this era, you will see this as a period of enormous amounts of wealth transfer. But in the end, the only wealth creation comes about through what the business creates. There's no, there's no magic to it. Uh, if, if, if a company that's not worth anything sells for $20 billion and 5% of it changes hands, somebody takes a billion dollars from somebody else. But investors as a whole gain nothing. If we look back at the investing philosophy that he had learned from Benjamin Graham, it's clear that the tech businesses during this time didn't represent the companies that he looks for, what he would refer to as a cigar butt in the ashtray that has an extra smoke left in it. During this time, many people thought that Buffett had lost his touch, with Barron's even writing, what's wrong Warren, as Berkshire stock had gone from a high of $81,000 to around $40,000 per share. However, Buffett, in hindsight, was right, as the share price eventually recovered to its previous highs once the bubble and hysteria had ended. His vision to avoid the hype and stick with his long-term approach beat other investors yet again. Although Buffett has never had a big interest in technology companies, he does hold one technology-related investment which falls perfectly into his approach of finding businesses with a moat. In 2013, he bought a 13% stake in Verisign, which holds the exclusive rights to the dot-com domain. During the financial crisis of 2007-2008, Buffett was once again being criticised. This time, it was for allocating capital too early and not getting the best deals. Throughout 2008, he acquired large stakes in big companies such as Goldman Sachs and General Electric. It was at these times of panic that Buffett was able to use his huge hordes of cash to gain companies at a large discount from the value that he saw in them. However, yet again the criticism may have been misplaced. 
as already just five years later, he was reported to have made over $10 billion profit from the deals that he had made between 2008 and 2011, despite showing a drop in profits of 62% during 2008 itself. In particular, Buffett's investment in Bank of America is seen as being genius. From a $5 billion investment in warrants, these were able to be exercised for a stake worth $19 billion. That means by 2017, he had already made a profit of $12 billion on that investment. In February 2011, Buffett attended the ceremony at the White House, where he, along with 14 others, received a Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is America's highest civilian honor. It was awarded by President Obama, and at the ceremony, he said the people being awarded were some of the most extraordinary people in America and around the world. When talking about Buffett specifically, Obama said, Today we know Warren Buffett not only as one of the world's richest men, but also one of the most admired and respected. Unmoved by financial fads, he's doggedly sought out value, put his weight behind companies with promise, and demonstrated that integrity isn't just a good trait, it is good for business. And yet for all the money he's earned, you don't see Warren Buffett wearing fancy suits or driving fancy cars. Instead, uh, you see him devoting the vast majority of his wealth to those around the world who are suffering or sick or in need of help. And he uses his stature as a leader to press others of great means to do the same. A philanthropist is a lover of humanity, and there's no word that fits uh, Warren better. I should point out he's so thrifty I had to give him a White House tie <laughs> the last time he came here to visit. Since the year 2000, Buffett has donated more than $46 billion, making him the most charitable billionaire. It was always his aim to build up wealth in order to give it away to help the wider society. He's also pledged that 99% of his wealth will go to charitable causes, with 83% of that going to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the foundation that was co-founded by one of his best friends, Bill Gates. When you look at the life of Warren Buffett, it's clear that you have a man that lived by principles and integrity. This included his investment decisions, which always followed fundamental rules that he stuck to, as well as his private life. Rather than letting his life be dictated by his huge levels of wealth, he chose to live a humble lifestyle and appreciated the close group of people that were around him. As he says, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things differently. Once it's all said and done, in the history books, Warren Buffett's reputation will be as one of the greatest investors and businessmen of all time. A humble and generous man who enjoyed and understood the game.